Hello and welcome back to the Venture Equity Project Podcast. We are so excited to have Abby and Samir here today, the co-founders of Isuzu. How are you guys doing? Doing great, Waylon. Thanks so much for having us. Delighted to be here. Incredibly excited. Awesome. Let's get right into it. Could you guys explain the mission and the vision of Isuzu? Absolutely. The vision of Isuzu is to leverage data to bridge the racial wealth gap. And this is just a focus of ours, given the current times and the work we do here at Isuzu and our mission at Isuzu is really, really focused on keeping working families in their homes, especially during these dire times. And the way we make that happen is we work with large multi-family and single family landlords and property managers to report rental data into the credit rating agencies to help people establish and build their credit scores. For folks that can't afford to pay, we pair them up with a zero interest loan so they can stay in their homes. Their landlord can make money as they've set out to with their development. As a society at large, we stop solving homelessness backwards. That's what drives us, keep people in their homes and long-term leveraging that data to bridge the racial wealth gap. What a powerful mission. I love the data component, which we will definitely get into in this podcast, but also just the mission and vision are so strongly laid out. What inspired the creation of Isusu? That's a great question, Waylon. Isusu was inspired from Abby and I's personal experiences. For myself, I grew up in an immigrant family from New Delhi, India, and our pathway to pursuing the American dream was just harder than it should have been. You know, my father was mugged on his first day in the country. We didn't really have a place for shelter. And a lot of my upbringing was watching my parents work miracles with no credit and limited access to financial resources so that I could have some of the opportunities that they afforded. And so inspired by that and Abe's story, which you'll hear shortly, we founded Asusu on the core ethos that no matter where you come from, the color of your skin or your financial identity, it shouldn't determine where you end up in life. Yeah. From my vantage point, my story started in the slums of Lagos, Nigeria. I was raised by my mother, lost my father at the age of two, and two feisty sisters. One thing my mother fundamentally believed in was just the importance of education. She afforded my school fees to one of the finest high schools in the land, and that's what led me to this magical place called America. I didn't really let the destitution of my social position limits my imagination. So when my colleagues were taking international exams like the SATs, I joined, self-studied, and got admitted to the University of Minnesota. That transition was quite interesting because I moved from 80 degree weather in Lagos to negative 22 degrees in Minnesota, which is a character building experience. You know, Minnesota taught me a lot about myself, especially doing things like ice fishing, deer hunting, and it really opened my eyes up to things that I really didn't thought I would be doing at that age and make me talk to people that are fundamentally different than I am, which I think America needs today. During that transition, something important, however, happened. My mom and I did not have a credit score. We walked into one of the biggest banks to borrow money and we were turned away and had to go borrow money from a predatory lender at over 400% interest rate. In addition to that, my mother pawned my father's wedding ring and a bunch of other jewelry. We borrowed money from church members, and that's how we got started in the United States. So really inspired by this experience and Samia's, which you just heard, we started Isusu on those three core premises. No matter where you come from, the color of your skin, and particularly your financial identity, should never determine where you end up in the wealthiest nation the world has ever seen, and dare I say anywhere in the world. So that's what drives us every day. That's what keeps us going. 
And that's where the passion of Isuzu stems from. Thank you guys, first of all, for sharing your stories. I definitely see how the mission is so personally driven, but also can relate to so many middle and lower income families stories as well. How are you guys able to form this co-founder partnership? Absolutely. Waylon, thanks for that question. At this point, Abby and I have been through everything under the sun together, so it's always fun to reminisce on how we got started. But about a decade ago, Abby and I met at a Clinton Global Initiative Conference. At the time, Abby was running a clean water company and I was working on food recovery. And we just met and became good friends and actually realized we were both attending NYU. So we relinked up back at school and became conference buddies. We would room together, make introductions for each other, and both then ended up spending some time in corporate America. And I vividly remember meeting in Max Brenner's on December 11th, 2015. Max Brenner's is a chocolate shop for those of you who aren't native New Yorkers. And we had a really interesting conversation around the fact that we were both learning a lot in corporate America, but our hearts and souls were in building something bigger than ourselves and fundamentally impacting the communities that we come from. And we had those shared experiences of financial marginalization and a thirst to do something about it and use our kind of minds for business and our hearts for the world. So. We started building a SUSU while in corporate America. You know, every paycheck went into building a SUSU. In early 2018, we quit our corporate jobs to focus on a SUSU full time. And it's been just a journey ever since. At this point, Abby and I are, are work husbands, we'd say. I think we spend more time together than with our respective fiancés and wives. That only goes to show how much we've put into this together. I love that. And I think it's so funny that you say you guys are like work husbands. I definitely feel that with my co-founder. I spend way more time with her than anyone here on campus and with my family as well, which is crazy to think about. I'd love to dive a little deeper into the fundraising process. What was that process like for you guys? What factors made fundraising challenging or unexpectedly easy? Fundraising for us was incredibly hard. We spoke to over 300 investors at the inception of Isuzu to raise capital. We received a plethora of no's, but that just kept us going. We had really confidence in what we were doing, strong conviction that you can not only do good or outperform the benchmark in this tough marketplace and really uh, demystify the myth that you can do well and do good. That's what we, uh, we set out to do. When we started Isusu, it was incredibly hard. We went out there, talked to VCs, but it was hard for them to comprehend the fact that low to medium income people can earn outperforming returns, particularly when it comes to businesses like ours serving this critical population. One statistics that we always point out is there are 45 million people in this country that don't have a credit score. The average debt in America is roughly $92,000. If you do that math, you can unlock $4.1 trillion in capital. In the rental space, a third of Americans rent. and On an average, they send $1,100 to their landlord. If you do that math, that's $1.44 trillion annually. So we're talking about trillions of dollars in the marketplace. Well, earlier on, investors didn't see the market opportunity. Myself, Samir, and our graded team had to work hard to build the plumbing, to propel the business forward, and show that we can outperform, we can drive value, and then generate shareholder returns also. So when we did that successfully, by raising from everyday people, our family and friends, there are stories of people that gave up their mortgage just to invest in this company. There are people that borrowed money to invest in this company. There are friends of us that proudly invested $1,000 back then just to take a bet on us. And that's the true genius of people that bet on us earlier on. 
That's what kept, keeps us going. Today, the company is valued at a billion dollars and we've raised a lot of capital. What keeps us up at night is those everyday people that give us a fighting chance. And without them, we're not going to be here today. So our fundraising journey was atypical. It was one on the brink of hopelessness of not being able to build what we've built today. But still we rise because we stand on the shoulders of many that believed in us. Thank you so much for sharing that journey and showing the challenges that go into fundraising as well and how you guys were met with hopelessness but were able to find hope within the people who needed it the most. What advice would you give to a young founder who is going through the fundraising process and is met with hopelessness as well? Yeah, Waylon, that's a great question. You know, no fundraising experience is quite the same. So I won't say that I have universal guidance here, but there are some things that are important, right? One is you need to have absolute conviction in what you're building. At the end of the day, what kept Abby and I going was our belief that this needed to exist in the world. And we got that validation from our customers, right? While investors and VCs weren't willing to bet on it, at the end of the day, the people we were serving saw the value, were engaging with the product, and that gave us the motivation and the realization that this actually needs to exist. And we can't keep relegating low to moderate income communities to the worst products out there and not investing in products that can serve them and improve their financial lives in this case. And so that fundamental belief was absolutely critical. So I'd say first and foremost, the founder or founders need to believe in unequivocally what they're building and its need to exist in the world. The second, I always like to say, nothing worth doing is worth doing alone, right? So you want to have that support system. Abby and I are lucky to have each other. I'd say it's an atypical co-founding relationship from what we've heard. But at the end of the day, everyone needs someone or often multiple people to go through this journey. And so you want to have that support system, whether it's a co-founder, whether it's a team, whether it's a significant other, whether it's your family or friends, it really doesn't matter. But you need to have those people that are in your corner that you can lean on when things get hard because things will get hard. And then the third is you can't get too emotional about the fundraising process. And that's easier said than done. For Abby and I, when we were trying to raise, we were six figures in credit card debt. We had given up everything we owned. People were calling our families, asking for money. And so it gets hard to separate that personal and professional, but you got to treat fundraising like a process. We had a spreadsheet of those 300 plus people. We had kind of warm leads into them. We had a data room set up. We had email introductions set up. And the more that you can run it like a process, with no emotion, the better. Because one of the key rules of fundraising is a maybe is the worst. You want a yes, ideally, or you want a no, but where you really get killed in fundraising is the maybes. Because mm -hmm. it gives you a little bit of hope and you keep chasing and chasing and chasing. And I think Abby was at a conference earlier this weekend where Ashton Kutcher said a maybe is just a prolonged no or a procrastinated no. And that's the reality. Like you really gotta protect your emotional and mental energy on this journey. And if people aren't in 100%, then they're not in. That is such great advice. I hear from a lot of founders that say you either want to clear yes or no, because when you get into that middle ground, it gets confusing, it gets emotional, and it just prolongs the whole process. Switching gears a little bit, what are some exciting things that we can look forward to in ASUSU's journey? What are some things that you guys are currently working on? For us at ASUSU, the goal is really long-term. What's taking everyday people, particularly low to medium income folks, renters on the journey of wealth building. And that journey includes specific steps. Right now, we live in a society that does not treat people as equal if they don't have a strong financial identity or if they can't price their risk. What we are doing today is establishing credit scores, 
building them if you have if you already have existing credit scores using things like your rental data the next step of the journey is how do we leverage that data to better price quality financial products for everyday folks or low to medium income people and then when we do that then they can have quality products like a good mortgage like a good car notes to be able to go to work and afford everyday things like an affordable credit card option because fundamentally this country the united states is built on cheap debt and what we want to do is make sure low to medium income people get access to that there's a saying that it is incredibly expensive to be poor and what we want to do is unmask that demystify that current reality and really build low to medium incomes financial lives on a solid foundation not a sinking sand so what we should expect from a susu on a go forward basis is being the leader in capturing rental data and all other alternative data sources creating the best in class model to better price risk and unleash quality products for low to medium income people i want the person living in a one bedroom $700 apartment in Bronx to get the same quality financial product someone that's living in Tribeca that's paying $5000 in rent and the reason why we need to do that is to level the playing field is to create that opportunity and give people a fighting chance not a handout because folks are sick and tired of the handouts no one wants to be on welfare no one wants to be on food stamps everyone wants to have a leg up and contribute their own humble quota to the change eminent in this landscape and for us to do that we need to radically think about how we price risk and give people access to quality financial products so they have a fighting chance so that's what we're doing and it's really sum up in what we believe in at Isuzu we're dreaming meticulously like Martin Luther King and executing with precision like Jeff Bezos so that's what we're focused on here at Isuzu but that has been done for wealthy people now we're doing it for folks that have been marginalized in society and the best is still yet to come for sure and i think asusu's approach is very uniquely driven by data and i would love to get into what data means for asusu and how you guys are leveraging data to help you boost credit and establish credit for low to middle income families so just to take a step back one what we do today we partner with large owners and operators of real estate right whether it's multifamily single family student you name it we capture rental payment data and we make sure that's incorporated in the credit score so that folks can build and establish credit one of the things we like to say is you, the credit system treats you as though you're guilty until you're proven innocent and so step 1 is making sure that people in this landscape have a financial identity once someone has a financial identity we can help them build financial stability financial wellness and actually move towards wealth creation. And that's really the kind of path we want to bring people on. But the reason we're so focused on this and the idea of credit is because the backbone of America is cheap debt. So just to walk you down memory lane a little bit, the predominantly white middle class in America was created on the basis of cheap government debt, FHA loans, <laughs> VA loans, really allowing people to purchase real estate at 0% interest. Those same opportunities were denied for black and brown Americans simply on the basis of their skin color. And that went on for generations in the 1930s, the 40s, the 50s, and really contributed to this massive racial wealth gap that we see in society today. 
I think the average white family is 10 or 12x as much wealth as the average black family, and same goes for Latinos and other communities of color. And so really the reason we're so focused on data is because that is really where the kind of racial wealth gap accelerated. And our hypothesis is if we can help folks that have been left behind build and establish that credit score, get access to those same cheap debt and other financial products so that they can catapult their financial lives, that's the best way that we can contribute to bridging that gap. And so that's why we're so focused on that. We're basically righting the wrongs of the past and making sure that everyone has a fair shot at the American dream, which has not been true really ever in America's history. What makes Isusu's approach to this and making sure that the gap is being filled and the bridge is being made different from other companies? So what makes Isusu different from other companies in this arena is just our intentionality. I'll give you examples. At Isusu, when we capture rental data, for example, reports positive only data. The reason why we're intentional about that approach, we can decide to report positive and negative data, but we understand if someone is evicted, that information will most likely show up on their credit profile. What we are also doing is what Franklin Delano Roosevelt did during the New Deal. Everyone thinks it's crazy. At ASUSU, we offer zero interest loans. The Franklin Delano Roosevelt and the administration gave FHA loans to predominantly white is to build wealth that begat wealth and got us to this chasm of a large racial wealth gap divide. And what we are doing is essentially using the same playbook to give people a fair shot and show them that you deserve a fighting chance. You matter in society and we're willing to bet on you. And resoundingly, what we're saying is when you bet on people, they take it serious, they not only pay back where they treat that community like it's theirs. And the last thing is we play a long game. We can decide to deploy draconian products that makes money for us, but Isusu were just as capitalist. That's the fundamental difference about Isusu. The current capitalist system is not working. There's this large divide between the rich and the poor, the bourgeois and the proletariat, and that's just not right. We're building this mansion on a sinking sand and the system is just practically unsustainable. And what we are doing at Isusu is, yes, capitalism is the most successful construct we've seen since the inception of the world. But guess what? There's some things that we can improve on about it. It's like a leaking boat right now. And what we are doing at Isusu is lacing that leaking boat with a bit of justice. And it's a new paradigm of capitalism called justice capitalism that keeps driving us every day is to be eccentric in our thoughts, is to be esoteric and to be contrarian. This is the way the world works. How can we contribute our own humble code to think about it different? Capturing on-time rental data to build and establish people's credit scores. Leveraging that data to better price risk. Giving people zero interest loans to get them back on their feet. Letting them understand that the mistakes of their past, they are better than it and they can overcome. Those are the principles of what we care about at Isusu. And one of our core values is if you want to go fast, you go alone. But if you want to go far, you fundamentally go together. The one size fits all approach doesn't work, point blank period. A platform approach that looks at people in an holistic manner, in an ideographic manner is what's going to make sure we're successful. And that's what makes Isusu different. A comprehensive approach to helping everyday people live their financial best under the premise of justice capitalism. And that's what makes us different and our people 
is truly the genius of what makes us do what we do every day. That's truly fantastic answer and just so inspiring. What is an example of the way data drives Isusu? Do you guys have any scenarios where you've really seen data work for good? Yeah, Waylon, I think what we do every day is a great example of that. So currently we partner with owners and operators that cover about 2.5 million rental units across all 50 states. And oh, we wow. have countless examples of partners where we've rolled out our platform and people have for the first time in their lives established a credit score. We've had times where people maybe got a credit card, didn't know what a credit card was because financial literacy in this country is backwards and forgot to pay it off and have been plagued by that for the rest of their lives. Or someone who had a health emergency got sent to collections because they can't pay for our exorbitant medical system. And we've seen that our platform has the ability to help those people overcome those challenges and really empower them to manage their own financial lives. So we see that every day. We also see that same kind of impact from our microloan program where people are able to get 0% interest loans in times of crisis. To be a little bit more specific, we've seen a couple instances where we've had people who have lived their entire life, literally generations in public housing, move from public housing to home ownership. And wow. that is something that this country has never cracked, ever. <laughs> when you grow up in the projects, you stay in the projects. And that is a tragedy. And so we've been able to see that we're able to give people the tools to make that progression, make that leap and contribute to society as Abby alluded to. With the microloan program, there's someone that comes to mind. His name is Scott Falk, a resident of ours who had been a carpenter his entire career during COVID, lost his job and was on the brink of homelessness, right? And he came to us and he said, I've gone to Catholic charities. I've gone to all the places and nobody can help me. I'm scared. I've never been homeless. I don't know what to do. And we were able to give him a three month, 0% interest loan to cover his rent. And the next month he was able to get a six figure job that actually paid him more than Abby and I got paid at the time. And oh. that only goes to show he was able to repay that loan. He was able to put together a roof for his family and get back on his feet. But if no one had been willing to take a bet on him, he would have been homeless. He would have been on the streets and it would have cost taxpayers a lot more money to figure out how to support him and getting back up on his feet. And that's really the power of what we do and how data can be used for good. Right now, we understand why people are denied financial products and why people aren't given a chance. It's because people who are lending money or providing financial products need to understand the risk. And we're mm -hmm. not trying to push back on that. Everyone needs to make a business work, but we can use data to price the risks for people who have otherwise been left behind. We can use alternative data to make sure the system works for everyone, not just the select few. And that's really the power of what data can do for good and the impact we can have in people's lives. That is amazing. It's so cool to see the actual impact that you guys are doing on individuals' lives. As a broader picture, what does it mean to use data for good? What it means to use data for good is to level the playing field. And that's what we try to do every day at SUSU. It is Scott's Falk story. It is folks that now have established their credit scores for the first time and then can get access to a home, a credit card, a car note so they can go to work. You know, that's what we care about. It's leveling the playing field for Latino families, black families, and other people of color that have been fundamentally left behind. It is closing the racial wealth gap. You know, those are the things that we care about here at ACSUSU. Well, ultimately, it's just giving people a fair shot. Yeah, I don't have too much to add to that answer, but the only other thing I can say is using for data for good means being intentional. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our problems are due to a lack of intentionality. It's not always, in many cases, it's intentional racism and institutionalized racism. 
but oftentimes we have systems that we just let run unchecked. And that's the power of using data for good. That's the power of justice capitalism. It's thinking, it's being intentional and making sure that system really gives everyone a fair shot, as Abby alluded to. For sure. And to end us off, I'd love for you guys both to tell us, what does it mean to be an entrepreneur to you? Wow, Waylon, that's a, that's a tough one. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into that question, but I think ultimately being an entrepreneur means believing in the impossible and having a vision for the world that's different than what's out there today and doing whatever it takes to bring it to life, not alone, because I think there's a lot of narrative in the media that entrepreneurship is about the founders. And sure, Abby and I definitely have contributed our quota to making Asusi what it is today, but ultimately it's all the people that bet on you. It's getting a, mm -hmm. a village to believe in your vision, whether you're talking about your team members, your investors, your family, your support system, right? Ultimately entrepreneurship is having an audacious vision for the world and bringing a village along with you to help make it happen. Entrepreneurship means being contrarian, not mm -hmm. accepting the status quo or mediocrity as the order of the day. It is this belief that is something greater, that if you explore the road less traveled and create something, particularly from an innovation perspective, you can have profound impacts in the lives of many. It is also understanding fundamentally that it is bigger than you. If you're doing entrepreneurship, you're running a business because it's all about you that's not entrepreneurship for us what matters the most is understanding that it is bigger than you and enveloped in what isusu really means what's all about if you want to go fast you go alone but if you want to go far you fundamentally go together is that fundamental idea of collectivism of bringing people from different race creeds together to make the world a more perfect place those are both such beautiful answers that I think ring so true for so many entrepreneurs to hear. Thank you guys so much for joining us on the podcast. For our audience who want to continue to follow your journeys and Isuzu's journeys, how and where can they do that? You can find us on all social media channels, except for TikTok. I don't think we're that cool yet, <laughs> but you know, we're on LinkedIn quite often. We have a Facebook, a Twitter, and our emails are pretty easy. It's just our first name at asusu.org. So feel free to reach out to us. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on the Venture Equity Project Podcast. Be sure to tune in next week for another one of our episodes. The NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center is proudly hosting and producing this podcast. The center is a nonprofit that is aimed at building a better path for entrepreneurs worldwide by improving inclusion, access, and knowledge in entrepreneurship. None of what we could do today would be possible without our amazing support from our sponsors, including NASDAQ, Lehigh University, Airbnb, Bank of the West, KPMG, Wilson Sonsini, Woodruff Sawyer, HubSpot, NASDAQ's Foundation, BPM, and California Community Colleges. My name is Waylon Chong, and I'm so excited to bring you along this journey with me. 